Ginny, I would never leave you. <laughs> Welcome to... <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to episode two of... Episode four. God. Three Dice and Moldy Onions. The show about everything you could ever need to know. Episode 2. Episode 4! Jesus! Where we talk about the pure awesomeness of Blade Runner 2049, but then forget to use the awesome recorder and instead record the whole thing on the laptop microphone. Aw oh, man, given up by Megatron just like that. Yes, yes, we use the laptop mic, but that's okay. Alright, let's get to it. So for those of you who haven't had a chance to see the movie yet, uh, yeah. we wanted to offer a, a quick review that doesn't kind of give things away, right? Yes, that's exactly it. Um, so what can, what can we say about the movie without a, giving things away? A lot of people have done spoiler-free reviews, which I'm very happy about, because um, I knew nothing about this movie going in, except for that um, K, Ryan Gosling, is doing a case, he's a Blade Runner, and he needs Harrison Ford's help, Deckard to help solve the case. That's all that I knew going in, and I want to honor that by having a, at least a segment that just does that, where we don't talk about anything, really. I think that I think that everybody knows that it's a beautiful, beautifully, yeah, exactly. a beautifully shot movie, and the cinematography is, is really kind of amazing. Um, you know, that's obviously been given a lot of thought, um, and the movie moves along in, in a really beautiful way um and it really doesn't fall prey to to some of the things that i think that a lot of uh, movies these days really do fall prey to which is um sort of oh, i'm an avenger <laughs> explosions yeah i mean like you know a lot of movies these days these these things um fall prey to needing to have action every second and being mm -hmm. packed full of action um this movie really does take you on a ride sometimes uh, that is slow and building suspense mm -hmm. and then then hitting you with action which is cool mm -hmm. um the shots that they they line up are shot sometimes very close up and sometimes um you know everything is shot with very uh, a crystal clear kind of shot um they pay attention a lot to color mm -hmm. to things um, so it's a, a beautiful thing to watch go by as a, as a film, you know, mm -hmm. which is, is something that you, you know, I think that, that other films use that, but, but sort of, um, they're kind of using it to just kind of keep the action rolling. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, this really comes off as something that, you know, you, you see the care that was taken with it. Yeah. Um, so apparently the cinematographer, uh, was a friend of the director and they maybe worked on other projects. I'm not sure. But they, uh, the director said that he was the first person to be called, and so he said this is as much his movie as it is mine. And I'd say that that is true when it shows. Um, it has great sets and costumes and props. It's similar to the original in its world that it has, um, which I really like, and it's kind of that, like, Seattle kind of rainy vibe. I mean, just, just as a trip, yeah. just as a trip through... A possible dystopian future world. Yeah, it's kind of an amazing ride without giving anything else away, I and mean, that's just mm -hmm. an amazing ride. Yeah, and 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 just you know something that that you pointed out to me, Will, um, mm -hmm. is that that so much of this was done uh, with practical. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. practical, right? Like, can you go into that? Okay, yeah. Um, so there are some pretty epic shots in this. Like, there are like Lord of the Rings times ten. Lord of the Rings on, on steroids. Um, and you'd expect that, you know, there'd be a lot of CGI. And there is CGI, don't get me wrong. But there's actually, there's models in this movie. Like, I didn't know that. But there are, like, actual models in this film that they used. Like, there are shots of, you know, like, flying through the city. And I was like, okay, CGI, you know, like, it's great and it looks amazing. But, you know, still CGI, you know, not a fan. 
And then I watched the behind the scenes and there were just giant models that they just sprayed down with water. And I was amazed to see that because that's the one thing that the Star Wars movies, the new ones are not getting right, that people love the models. And they need to do models, not a ton of CGI. So that's that's props for me. Yeah, Speaking I mean, of hear, props, hear, let's hear, talk about the, props. Well, I mean, hearing the director say that you know yeah. he wanted the actors to to react to things that actors can't react properly to green screen yeah you know when you're acting across from a big giant green screen you can't understand the environment that you're in i thought yeah. that was pretty cool so you know it's it's neat to see and to see you know there's a there's a an epic scene uh at near the end of this film that that is mm -hmm. is kind of insane oh, okay. and and i mean insanely cool and to see that you know if you go out after this and you look at how that was done, it's just like, wow, guys, amazing, mm -hmm. amazing. You would think that that would just be a giant soup of CGI, and mm -hmm. it's not. It's not. It's it's a practical, uh, practical thing. Yeah. So very cool stuff. So right. anyway, props. Um, props. Mad props. Um, Mad props to the. I don't props. know. There's a blaster in this case. Blaster. Um, it was gonna be a revolver. Like her, like Deckard's blaster was had a revolver inside of it, so that they could get muzzle flashes out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then in this movie, they weren't able to do that, uh, with Kay's blasters. So what they did is, is that they had a little component that would fire off like a real gun. Like, cause when you fire a gun, there's ricochet and then there's a little like thing that ejects the bullet, that ejects the bullet casing. And so they have a little mechanism that goes back whenever you pull the trigger. Uh, and I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't know that. And it just, mm. I don't know. It's just, it's the little things that make this movie in the props department. After you watch this movie, go out and Adam Savage test, has a YouTube channel called Tested, and he looked at the props of this movie, and they're huh. really incredible. Let's see, see this in a big screen. You know, I mean, there are some theaters that are still showing this. I'd recommend seeing it. You know, I think that this will be a movie that'll continue to be released in theaters every uh, ten years or so. You know, I can see that yeah. being a possibility. Yeah, I mean, this is really one of those ones that if you can catch it, and mm -hmm. now is probably yeah. the trailing end of this. I mean, yeah. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, you know, I think that that top line reaction to this movie is that we we both really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we it's worth seeing on a big screen. If yeah, you can. I'd say that like the first hour and a half, like hour and a half, two hours. Um, this is a two hour, 44 minute movie. It's long, but it's it's worth I can't think of anything that they could have cut out to make it, you know, more suitable. I think that everything in there is necessary and has a point. You know, so don't be scared by the runtime because, you know, um, basically get the large popcorn yeah, and buckle get in. The yeah. Don't get the large <laughs> soda, though. I learned that one the hard way when I drank the whole thing in the trailers All and right. then I just sat there for three hours needing to pee. Okay. Um, so that's that's the uh, the no spoiler review. So we hope that you go out and, and check it out. Definitely worth a view. All right. Yeah. OK. Thanks for listening. Warning. From here on out, there are spoilers for Blade Runner 2049. You have been warned. Okay, thanks for those of you who stuck around. So, uh, in in the in the non-spoiler section of this review, we talked about cinematography, we talked about it briefly, but I think there are a few things that are worth talking about for those of you who have seen the movie. Um, more specifically, you know, um, you know, we talked about the framing and the shots, and but just to get into a few specifics here, you know, talking about like color. Um, I don't know how many of you noticed this, but there's a, a really strong use of color in here, and the color, um, the the color is really specific in a lot of in a lot of places. As Kay goes to see about the DNA sample, and he shows up um, at the Wallace Corporation to to check into the old DNA, he is greeted at the front desk, and everything is in yellow, mm -hmm. right? And then he goes back with the guy with that bald dude and uh my mother is still very sad over those lost baby photos yeah exactly so you know what a creepy looking guy yeah so they go back and in, into the stack probably very nice man though everything everything is bathed in yellow right um the the guy that greeted him there the receptionist guy is dressed in black um uh, k is dressed in what they say is green but it looks black to me it's it's, black. it's very dark <laughs> Um, and they both where'd you, have, where'd you find that he was dressed in green, by the way? Because uh, later the woman says the guy in the green coat, go find out what he knows. What? So anyway, okay. whatever. Yeah. I guess that lady's colorblind. All yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, 
She only has one eye. <laughs> so, so they they both have healthy complexions, but they're both dressed in black. Mm-hmm. And then when Love shows up, the woman who works for Wallace shows up. It's interesting that she is pale, but she's also interesting. Lady Mary. <laughs> she's also dressed in white, which is a kind of interesting thing um, because she turns out to be, you know, not such a nice character. So anyway, so they go down the stairs, right? You know, and everything is still yellow. And there they go down the stairs. You see the they... only penis in the entire movie. <laughs> and it's yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They go around the corner into this hallway in the basement where all of the old models, which, by the way, were noted to be more human, right? Less detectable than the current models. And those were the ones that revolted, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why they had to be decommissioned. Yes. They go down the hallway where all the records about those things are kept. And the light coming in the windows is what color? Blue. White. So then Love opens up the door. She goes down, opens up the door. And it's interesting that the door gets stuck. Okay, why does the door get stuck? I'm still trying to figure that one out. There's got to be some symbolism there. That you're like that, a shining person. Well, I think I think that there's something. I think that there's something there. I think that there's something there to um, not wanting to open the past or something. Yeah. You know? But anyway, so she's dressed in white. They go into this room. Why is it that their breath is fogging up? Why is it so cold in that room? It's fascinating to me that that you know. They go in there. She turns on the lights. What color are the lights in that room? White. I'm going to assume white. Yeah. <laughs> They're white. Why are they white? Right? So so she's dressed in white. The lights are white. Everything about these old models is white. Right? Why is it white? They actually use a low angle on the camera to show her white dress against the white lights in the, in the ceiling. Why do they do this? Why are they so keen on doing this? This is really fascinating. Okay? As they go along here, you know, she has to do some pretty evil stuff as they move along here. She She's sort of commanded to do some evil stuff. Yeah. And she does it seemingly without any problems, but she cries as she does it, right? You notice this, yeah. right? So as, as she witnesses evil stuff even, she cries. Um, but midway through the movie, all of a sudden she goes from wearing white to wearing... Red. Red, okay. But with, with a white coat. And a black. A, no, right? It's red, white, and black. Right. So so she moves to wearing red halfway through. And, you know, she goes and, and does in the lieutenant, right? Yeah. And as she does that, she seems to have no problem at all doing that. She She's, no, no problem at all. But she's crying as she does that too. But she's wearing red at that point. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to the end of the movie, she's wearing black. She is wearing black, and she is not crying anymore about the things that she's well, doing. When she goes to get Decker, she's wearing black, too. Is she? Yeah, okay. and then she like, so anyway. kills Joy with just, like, stomp of her foot, you know, evil villain line, straight up. So, I think that it's kind of fascinating. I'm sure that there are a lot more uses of color in this movie uh, that I didn't notice. I mean, that's just one really strong strand that kind of hits you in the face, but um, it's really, really cool. I mean, it's obviously well thought through, so... I favorite shot of the movie, I'd say, is the first shot that we ever saw from this movie, which is Ryan Gosling, okay, walking, um, first shot of him walking through this, like, abandoned Las Vegas, and it's just all red dirt in the air, and it's all dusty, and he's just, it's just his silhouette, and I thought that was a really great shot. I also love the shot of him and the giant neon pink joy. That was pretty dope. There's like, there's like a huge amount of palette reduction going on here. Yeah. Right? Like, it reminds me of Tron. Dude, it's like yeah, it Tron like with, with monochromatic. the city. It's kind of like, tr- where it's like everything's dark and it's silhouetted by neon. It gets monochromatic kind of or, or, or duochromatic, but it's just, you know, you don't have, you don't have these, you don't have a ton of super uh, colorful stuff going on, right? Um, you know, like that, that, that thing where he's in, in Las Vegas and he walks out of that shot, that's mm-hmm. one color, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. these are, these are single color shots, you know, um, they're really beautiful, uh, you know, so we talked about pace a little bit too, you know, um, this opening scene where he's hunting this Nexus eight, when he's hunting Dave Batista. So that opening scene where he's hunting him down is really, um, kind of an amazing thing, right? 
because you have this collision, this this sort of collision of two lives. His life as a as a Blade Runner, uh, the other guy's life as a worm farmer, right? Mm-hmm. And this beautiful pacing of of this quiet sort of that was um, supposed to be the introduction to the original. It's it's interesting because it was like richly visuals on the way to to this guy's farm were kind of amazing. My favorite shot of that whole thing. I love that shot of the ship coming over and you just see like as as the shot turns that there's like there's this like really mysterious man with this like face on with this apparatus. I don't know. It was it was, yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was everything that I wanted honestly from that. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I wanted to see just like shots like that where it's just like we're showing this cuz it's cool and we're not ashamed of it, you know? Sapper Morton. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that that was who he was hunting. And that was a really cool scene. It had, like, all this suspense in it. It was a very quiet scene. The pot on the stove was a sort of a, another, like, a third character in that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool stuff. So, anyway, good pacing. All right. So, um, amazing, amazing movie, the way that it was shot. So, all right. what are the roles of everybody in this dystopian future? It seems like women are just kind of like, you know, there's a lot of... How do I phrase this? Um, women are objectified. Um, there's a lot of, like, there's just prostitutes everywhere. And there's, you know, like, a lot of, like, naked women everywhere. And they don't really seem to be respected. But then there's also a problem that you pointed out where it's like, if that's the case, that it's like a dystopian future where women are not respected. But then why the, why is the police chief a woman? And why is she, you know, respected? It seems like an interesting choice to make. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like maybe it, like, I know that this is kind of maybe not, but it could also maybe just be the fact that it's like, you know, you know, prostitution's legal, you know, and that thing, or slash, they don't care because they're, you know, because it's, they have bigger things to deal with, like the fact that, you know, the world is, you know, falling apart in their hands. It's it's interesting, man. I like I don't know because it's just like you've got like a you've got joy in multiple billboards all over town talking to people. Obviously, she is the only companion. There is not buck ass nude. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, like this naked fifty or seventy five foot tall um, hologram, and you know, and obviously, like prostitution is not only legal, which it is in some places in this country, right? And in other countries, too. And not only just sort of like um, red light district, but like, you know. Like like, straight up in a window. Yeah, like straight up like people having sex against frosted glass. And in sort of just the most sort of um, uh, crass commodified kind of way. So it's kind of like um, women don't seem to be empowered at all. Um, but yet the police lieutenant is a very strong character and a woman. And so it seems to be kind of a, an interesting balance that's being struck there. All right. So let's talk about the, uh, the Asian symbolism in this movie. There's a lot of, you know, Asian, you know, like advertisements and, uh, writing and, you know, there's lots of Chinese and Korean and Japanese stuff. But then there's no Asian people. Where are they? Are they hiding? Are they not? Um, I feel like, like, some of, like, the, there's, like, a, I, the only Asian person that stands out in my mind is an advertisement where it's, a like, a dancing person dressed like a cat in, and, like, they're holding, like, an energy drink. And that person's Asian, but like I don't know what that doesn't mean any that doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. And like, what is it? What I don't. It's hard, and I feel like there might be extras too who are Asian. I'm sure that there are, right? Yeah. But like, that still doesn't change the fact. It's like there's it. stores. Yeah. There are stores all over the place. There are businesses with with there's a manicure that are, person that, who's that Asian a, that appear to be Japanese, Chinese, yeah. and Korean, but there are no Asian people anywhere. So mm-hmm. so did something. In the in this dystopian future, did something happen that made all of them flee, or were they persecuted, or um, is this a directorial oversight? I mean, it's just kind of an interesting question. I don't, I don't think we have an answer to it. I'd say that it's kind of like this was a question that one of my friends pointed out. By the way, this was yeah, yeah. Um, one of my friends said, 
Um, you know, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, there are no Asian people in this movie, even though everything's Asian? And I was like, I said, that's there's a, a very, fine point. I was like, yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to talk about that in my podcast. And I said, um, this cast is diverse. There's a woman from from Cuba. Joy is from Cuba. She's great. Um, she looks white. But I, guess, I mean, she, if she's Cuban, then right. I mean, I, I, there's a very diverse cast. But the thing is that they're all white. There's um, an, an actress from Switzerland. There's, you know, there's a an Icelandic actor um mr baby photos yes um but then and there like, are two black all, actors yeah and, there, and there's two black actors there but the thing is that's odd to me is that one of them is a guy hiding out in a way a trash wasteland in an orphanage probably a, it's kind of hinted that he abuses these children a little bit yeah um and then the other is like a super sketchy guy who's selling passes to go off world and it's kind of like okay, that's yeah. interesting. There's no, there's no black character who's just like a character, like who just does you know like normal everyday stuff, you know? Yeah, there is not a, a bunch of racial diversity in this film. Yeah. And so the question is, is that intentional, or is that because we have a uh, a director from Quebec <laughs> that there was an oversight? Uh, and with the movie done this carefully, I can't believe that it's an oversight. I think that it's uh, done intentionally so but it's kind mm -hmm. of a weird choice if it's intentionally so mm -hmm. but i don't think we have any more insight into that so we had in here a note to talk about characters and i think we talked about this a little bit we had lieutenant on the first of this thing you know uh robin wright's robin character right uh lieutenant joshi joshi buttercup buttercup princess buttercup the princess buttercup she does not look like Princess Kay, Buttercup. Kay, where's the child? <laughs> she does not look like Princess Buttercup in this movie. No, she looks um, like uh, like Trinity from The Matrix without the sunglasses. Okay. That's true. The slick That's back true. hair, the, the jacket and everything. Yeah, the slick back hair. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to have hair right. that long just to slick it back. I don't know. Oh, yeah. She does a phenomenal job. You know, the thing that I find interesting here is that um, she is <laughs> she is at the same time 2K, mm -hmm. um, insulting... And affectionate and abusive. <laughs> so, so you have this kind of thing where where she says, "I've known many of your kind," and all of this mm -hmm. stuff, which is sort of dismissive and um, and just really kind of awful. She is sort of affectionate, where she sort of is taking care of him, um, or sort of giving him. She's she's obviously has some fondness for him, and then the third thing that you notice is that. Um, at one point in his apartment, um, she is sitting there sort of getting updates on the case and then sort of asking him personal questions. And then she says, you know, she's having drinking his vodka because she's kind of a lush. Um, and she says, well, what if I drank the rest of this bottle? Kind of hinting like, you know, you know, why don't we get it on? And and he says, shouldn't I return to work, ma'am? You know, and then she goes, well, you know. Domo Arigato, yeah, Mr. Roboto. And she's, and she's, <laughs> like, she's, like, she's like, keep me updated. You know, and it's just like, wow, that's that's workplace sexual harassment right there. So it's kind of like, wow, you get all three of these things, like, you know, dismissive of an entire, entire... Uh, Maybe women race. are on cop in this world. Well, you know... I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I think you're hitting on something there, which is, is like, she's just as... Portrays just as much of that male awfulness as as any man does and and you know all the dismissiveness and everything else and you know it just goes to show that you can be um i think it kind of showed that that same that same kind of confusing thing which happens which is you can abuse somebody that you have have shown some sort of affection for too mm -hmm. you don't have to be awful to them and, and to abuse them you can have some have shown some sort of affection for them so i thought that that was uh an interesting moment in this movie uh, i thought she's a good character um i had to say that part where love crushes her wine glass and that part in the theater made me go mm. and the lady next to me was probably dragged along by her friends they were all probably in college or something she was just on her phone when that happened and i looked over and i almost wanted to just be like i i, I just oh, I, 
<laughs> she was on her phone during this entire movie, and I, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "How are you not seeing this? Like a woman's just been like cut, like like she's paper." I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so speaking of love, let's talk about love. Um, so yeah, first of all, um, talking about makeup and and sort of transformation. If you have a chance to look on IMDb to look up Sylvia Hooks, who is Dutch. Um, the Netherlands. The Netherlands. If you Netherlands, look, bro. If, if you look her up, I mean, she she does not look like um, like love and mm -hmm. all of her sort of uh, severe features. But anyway, so what do you want to say about love? I mean, I think that we said a lot about her character, though, right? Because it's like her whole story is told through her costume, and she's like the only character who has as she evolves, her clothes evolve and her look evolves and everything. And I thought that was interesting. And I didn't see that with any other character because most of the costumes kind of stay the same. You know, Harrison Ford has his t-shirt and, you know. Yeah, but what does it mean? See, what that's the thing mean? is like, okay, so she's telling you a story, right? It's like, so what's interesting to me is in the beginning of this, they go down into that room in the basement, right? They play that one little scene between Deckard and um, Rachel. Rachel. And... And uh, Kay says he likes her, and and she says, "What do you mean?" And he said he's asking her questions and all that stuff. And she says, "Yes, it's invigorating to be to be asked personal questions. It's a very clunky line, and I don't mm -hmm. think that's unintentional. She's trying to understand what it is to be more human mm -hmm. at that moment. And like, yeah, like the filmmakers did a lot of stuff where they were like." She doesn't know what it is to, like, be human. And so she's right. just trying to be the best. And right. so she's, like, you know, she's, like, killing people. And she's, like... And there's even a line in the movie when she beats the living shit out of um, Kay uh, at the very end of this movie. And then she sits on the best one. Yeah. And then she walks off and he's just, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and it's, like, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, so that's the question is, like, what is she after? Because obviously she is... She is doing things that are... She has what we call dissonance. Mm -hmm. She's killing people, but it's making her cry, right? She's having mm -hmm. discord, um, you know? So she's... she's Something's going on there. I am obviously not a professional film reviewer who would probably have a whole bunch more to say about this, but... Um, so she's, she's definitely an interesting character who, you know, ends up being, like, pure, straight-up, full-on evil. So, anyway. Um, Who's next? Deckard was an unnecessary addition to this movie. Uh, I know that I, it, it's phrased as like a does he add anything? He doesn't. I'm just going to say it. I think that this movie would have been better if it was just an original story with a different person. You know, because it feels like that storyline was already kind of wrapped up from what I can remember. I haven't seen the first Blade Runner. I've watched it once. But it felt like it was like a wrapped up storyline. You know, he goes off, he lives happily ever after with Rachel the end. And I'm like, okay, that's that's good. And it's like, now you have this chance to do a sequel. And it's like, well, then, you know, you've got Ryan Gosling. You've got this amazing story and this investigation. And you're bringing on all these new concepts. And it just kind of feels like unnecessary that Harrison Ford is there, you know? And he he's, I hate to say it, but his acting is just not good. Like, he wasn't good in The Force Awakens, really. I mean... I, I, I don't know. You think know. he's phoning it in? I think he's phoning it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he's trying. But if he is, he's not doing well. It's just, it, it, it feels like they're trying to hit nostalgia, but I don't have that nostalgia. Yeah. So I don't think that it really worked for me at all. And I felt like it was just kind of unnecessary. And it's embarrassing because what he does in this movie is, is that he goes, I want to be left alone. Ah, I'm an old man, right? And then when he gets captured, he doesn't even, he tries to escape. But it's not like, what if you want to make a character good, then you have them go, ah, oh, he still has that old charm, you know, make him pick a lock or whatever and do some cool stuff. But he just sits there while this car is sinking and he just goes, uh, 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 and he's like messing with it. But, he, but there's nothing happening. And so he's just sitting there and he's the timer. He's the bomb that's going to explode in this scene, metaphor, metaphorically. Yeah. But like, I feel like if... You think he's just baggage? He's just baggage, yeah. There's nothing that adds to well, his character, and it just feels unnecessary, and right. he's pulling out of the movie. So Kay ends up pulling yeah. out. Mm -hmm. So what about Kay? What do we think about Kay? Kay, Kay was dope. I liked Kay a lot. I love his coat. I want his coat so bad. I wish I lived in a place where it snowed, because that... 
his coat with the little button-up, like, visor thing. Oh, it just, it gets my blood pumping. Oh, it's just so cool. You are a prop guy. Um, so he thinks that he's the child of this replicant. What I thought was really interesting is that, like, these new breed of replicants that, you know, obey orders and cannot tell lies, blah, 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 right, that... Um, he's one of them, and so when he learns that, when he think, when he thinks that he's the child, he then goes to Robin Wright, the police chief, and he says, "You asked me to kill the kid. It's done. I killed him. You didn't know he was the kid. It was super easy, you know." And then Robin Wright's like, "All right, I'll let you get off off this planet before you know these people hunt you down." Um, and I was, and I, I thought, like, holy crap! So he thinks that he's the kid. But he's not. But then that allows him to lie. And so it's like, how much of this is a lie and how much is real, right? Because they're basically free, but I think that it's almost like it's just in your mind, you know? And it's kind of like, I thought that was a really interesting concept. Um, yeah. So the question is, does he have to obey or is it just kind of like he'd like to obey? I think that, it, that it's like, <laughs> I think that that's a question is that it's like, they're because like there's a, a short film uh, called Blade Runner 2038 nexus dawn or something and it's basically jared leto comes in and talks to his business associate wallace comes in and talks to his business associates about this new um type of replicants and he says this is you know this is a replicant and he's like replicant grab an object you know he's like grab to grab a find a weapon so the replicant smashes a glass and gets a shard of glass and he's like cut your face and the thing does it and then he's like kill yourself and then it kills himself and so it's like obviously i would say that that's a programmed thing that it's like that they sure. have to obey and so i find it really interesting that you know it's like just the fact that you don't have to obey in your mind then allows you to to disobey yeah i don't know i thought that yeah was cool. i thought this was kind of a lame kind of a break I, I don't get it you know i mean it'll be interesting you know if you, if you have if you have thoughts on this leave them in the comments Mm -hmm. um love to hear what you think about this because it's just kind of like it felt like you know oh i i can totally lie you know and it's kind of like you know when the lieutenant says i can give you i can get you out of here but you know you need to go on your own it's just kind of like you know all of that would be just a replicant would have no way of hiding then you know i mean so he would have no hope of hiding because he'd have to lie to all kinds of people Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he'd have to give his real name and, you know, I mean, it'd just be, it'd be a mess. So anyway, all right. So let's talk about Wallace. Jared Leto used to be very selective about his roles. He used to say, I like this role. He'd choose about like one role every like three years and that made him hard to get. So then I don't know when, but sometime he just threw all of that out the window and went, I'll accept any role that'll get me a ton of money and make me super popular. So he went... He did Suicide Squad, he put on a ton of prosthetics, and he really got into this method acting thing where he sent dead rats and used condoms in the mail to his fellow cast members. Um, and we would only respond when you said Mr. J, Joker, or, you know, whatever kind of abbreviation of that you want to assemble for, for him or whatever. Um, and I think that that's just crappy because it halts production and, you know, I mean, it just grosses people out. And Kylo Ren, um, the actor Adam Driver, keeps to himself whenever he films to kind of, you know, get into the role. And I think that that's perfectly acceptable because not talking to people isn't going to kill you, you know. And he talks to people when it's needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for this movie, his genius idea was to pretend to be blind. So he hung out with a blind well, guy. Well, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Wallace. Yeah. Wallace mm -hmm. is blind. He apparently hung out with this blind kid named like Jimmy or whatever. Uh, and Jimmy, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> and Jimmy taught him a couple of tricks or whatever about hey. it is with to be blind. And so he had a person lead him around during the production. And I'm like, great. So you halted another production kind of. And the director is like, it was so exciting to see him be all be like this. And it's like, okay, I guess, you know, it, but I'm sure that if I was an actor on that set, I would have just been like, I would just ripped his little bandana oh. off over his eyes. I would have been like, fucking walk normally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Jared Leto, um, being a seeing person who um, would be all of a sudden blind for the first time in his life, would have a, a very hard time struggling with that. And doing that on a movie set would be incredibly disruptive. Just to, mm -hmm. to to sort of play into your point there, 
Um, you know, and, and and his his acting in this is so damn pretentious. Not, that's the thing is that he's not even a good actor. Like no, so no, and so I'm saying like if you were like a if you were a phenomenal actor and you and that was how you got into roles, I would be like okay, my child. yeah, oh my fucking god, <laughs> Sagarera, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, he's here with us in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you were an amazing actor like the best in the business and you just happened to do that i'd be like okay fine whatever i'll get he oh, yeah. overacted this so badly it was just ridiculous <sighs> happy was absolutely ridiculous happy birthday yeah you know, <laughs> let me let me smear some of the goo around your little dough head yeah you know it's just it was really rather ridiculous so the, the lean cuisine yeah dry. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. lean cuisine yeah, dro- dropping a, a newly minted woman out of a pouch like a lean cuisine onto the carpet so yeah, yeah. it's it's uh it was not not my favorite character at all and um and it, oddly i loved I, his chips that he like so since he's ha- blind he has this little like port that he puts like these little chips that are like computer keys on yeah, no, and it allows him to that's see that's all i can think about is like yeah and i was all, like is this all the shit that fell off my keyboard the other day <laughs> i thought that it was cool design because you know yeah i mean but it's like i'm not i'm not saying that i like now we're in our now we're in our i like jared leto yeah. i'm just saying okay, so that you know like i like the idea for this who his first choice for that was david bowie oh that's harsh yeah Oh, that's so, tough. So, I don't know. I mean, you know... So, he, he obviously had sort of this larger-than-life kind of character in mind for this role. Mm-hmm. Sort of this this recluse, recluse kind of a, a character for this. Uh, but, I mean... It just, At least he's not wearing a ton of prosthetics. He only has, you know, know, like two little... Speaking of prosthetics, they've got this woman in this movie who's missing an eye for some unknown I reason. Call it, I no, what I, I wrote swear down they, my... I swear they put a wood, little wood disc over her eye every day and it took like 10 minutes. It was really bad. Um, really took I, away from In my movie. notes, I wrote down One-Eyed Willie's wife. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the Goonies. Yeah, what, yeah, it's just, just bad. Yeah, so, and just on a final note, you know, like on characters. Joy. We have Joy. She was the best part of this movie for me. It was really cool. Like, the technology behind it was just, like... Because in her opening scene, what you see is that Kay walks home and in the in the snow, and he walks into his apartment, and he's like, hey, you know, and you hear this voice in the kitchen going, hi, how was work? You know, and, like, they have, like, this kind of, like, conversation. And then you're like, who is this woman who he's talking to, right? And he takes a seat, and then she's like, dinner's ready. And you're like, where is this person? Who? And then all of a sudden, this hologram just projects out of the out of the kitchen and comes walking forward and puts a burger and fries on the table over this, like, gooey, jello-y food. And I was like, holy crap. And it just goes on to, like, later in the scene, she, want, she switches gears and she's like, will you read to me? And, like... She flickers into a completely different outfit, which is like kind of like loosey goosey, you know, nowadays type of a thing, and picks up a book. But what she does is that it makes a copy of the book for her, and so the book is sitting on the counter still. But then it's a digital version of the book, and it's just it's it's crazy. And I I don't know. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, a, technology yeah. is cool. The the hologram was cool. She's beautiful. Um, she's got. She's very charismatic, and through the movie, she mm-hmm. is she is interesting to follow. Like the the you know she wants to be taken off of the console and and taken with him, and and you know uh, it, it's a very interesting sort of progression of events. Um, and I then, all, you know, I, I really love. There's this one weirdest part of the movie though where it's placed because right after. Kay is told that he's going to be hunted down and that he needs to, to, to run. He needs to leave quickly. He needs to leave town. Um, he goes, okay. And so he goes home and then Joy is like, here, I got a prostitute that I'm going to, you know, lay myself over and then we can, you know, do it. And it's like, okay. Well, like, yeah. and the scene is really cool. And it's like, can, inter- we, can, we, can we hang on to that thought for a okay, second? Yeah. I'd like to cover that. Okay. Now welcome to a section that we call the rant zone. Okay. Any rants? Okay, so uh, my fucking rant... Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, right, Jared. Fucking Jared Leto. Um, 
his overacting on this. You know, I think that we covered this in other places in this podcast, yeah. or unless we cut it out. But man, Jared Leto in this movie, you know, uh, his overacting a- was really kind of monumental. Um, yeah. So you know, I feel like that was kind of really a really a drawback on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can leave that there. I people can agree he, he or had, disagree. He had actually like I liked him at point. Like there was like one funniest thing is that the best scene that he's in isn't even isn't even in the movie it's a short it's a short film about yeah. a different year and it's i we, we, already, we already talked about this i guess i guess the question is yeah you know, but if the, like, way, that if acting was pretty good i like i actually liked that i thought that that was pretty well done and i wish that it like because he doesn't like have a lot of over he just kind of says like these are you know good robots and he says in like a creepy way and it's like the way that that lighting is that like yeah his eyes are illuminated in a way that it's like it's dark on his face but it's just his eyes and he doesn't do a lot of overacting because it's all simple sure you know but it's like the fact that it's just like a super long monologue with all the like the happy birthday thing you know and it's like and it's just a little bit too light i would say for his eyes in a lot of the shots i don't know yeah okay so so I guess that, you know, to temper my own rant about Jared Leto is um, if you have these amazing backdrops of, mm-hmm. of these, um, uh, these gold-washed places and these um, water-surrounded platforms and all this stuff, these amazing scenes, um, who else would show up in those places? You know what I mean? Like, what other kind of a character would you have if it wasn't some over-the-top kind Forrest of... Forrest Whitaker... Oh, and Sagarera. Yeah, that's right. where you. I know. I know. So you know. So I. I guess that's the question. You know, is who? Who would you have? So maybe. Maybe he's the right guy. I don't know. So, um, next on my my rant list. Um, I don't know if you have a rant list, but next on my rant list, and I think that you and I agree about this, is that um, when Joy, when when he, uh, Kay comes home. Uh, Kay comes home after being told by his lieutenant, I can get you out of the building, but they're going to hunt you down and you better get like off a this dog. planet. They're going to hunt you <laughs> down. And he goes home and he comes home and his wonderful girlfriend is there and there's a knock at the door and it's another woman, a human woman. And it's kind of like... And he's hey, met her before. And he's met her before, but... How about we have a, a digital real life IRL threesome here? That and, was really cool though. Okay, like, but, but okay, okay, but you, you and I talked about this, but like okay, but hang on. So can I, so it's like are you gonna be in the mood to do that? I mean, like, I guess some people might be, but like I think that if I was told like they're gonna come and hunt you down and kill you, I might have kind of a hard time being in the mood for that. They sync up since she's a hologram, they she syncs up to this uh, prostitutes like they have very similar face structures and they have similar body bodies and so they she lays herself over the prostitute so that like when their face there there are a lot of shots of like their faces like lining up but they kind of like slightly stagger at points and it's really beautiful yep. to see and it's really cool and i think one of my favorite shots is like she puts her hands on the back of his head and there's two pairs of hands because they're slightly it's just it's such a well done scene and if that had been before (laughs) that then why not why not before the the idea that you'd be hunted also that prostitute in the scene that she was in before that that's a good scene she's she's a good character yeah but then they may i mean like i don't know she's she's spunky she's you know she's she's just she's just fun you know she seems great yeah but like you know, then so, she then she's owned by one-eyed Willie, one-eyed Willie Rebellion. <laughs> so the other point, the other the other part of the rant here is that um, if you've watched her, uh, this mm-hmm. is this is a scene that I seemed, described it as her, but it works out. Her, her, but it, you know, with follow through, um, <laughs> as Will points out, you know, like in her, uh, he's dating an OS, and the OS invites a woman over, and you know. The OS is going to talk while the, you know, he, you know, gets it on with a, a real woman, IRL. So mm-hmm. here we go again with the, uh, we need a body kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And this one works out. So I guess I kind of sat there and said, well, this is nifty from a, from a, uh, technology standpoint. It's a beautiful piece of film, but it's her all over again. 
So there you go. That's my rant. All right. Your All right. Danny rant. Ha ha. Ha ha. Maybe we, but, should um, call, maybe we should call this the Danny rant The Danny section. rant section. <laughs> and I guess that my last rant here is that, um, is that at the point where uh, Kay goes to the orphanage mm-hmm. and he starts following the, the head of the orphanage around and the, the orphanage guy is like, are you coming? And I swear like everybody in the movie theater sees that it's the, the place from his dream like 10 minutes before he does. Do you know what I mean? It's like, dude, do you not see that it's the place from your, from your dream? <laughs> and it's like, can we all get into the theater, get into the movie and slap you? And finally he goes, Oh, I'm going to go look. And it's like, he goes down the stairs and we're all like, yes, you're going to go find the horse. Yes. You're going to go find the horse. Yes. You're going to go find the horse. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? And they're like Boy. blowing the freaking tuba again. And it's well, like they're I've... building up the music. And is the horse going to be there? I'm like, oh my God, is this scene still going on? I think and that finally he... he opens the grate and finds the horse. And I'm like, God, I could have gone to the bathroom by now. I could have gone thought, off and gotten no, 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 a popcorn no, refill. No, I thought I could have done whatever. I, I, I thought like, I Lord. thought about going to the bathroom at that point. I was like, maybe oh. this is the perfect time to go to the bathroom because the horse is there. I know he's gonna find the horse. But no, but like, Lord. But, no, but I, I think that there's also a certain point where it's like where he's like, okay, I know. I think that he knows where it's going, and I think that he's like, oh, okay, I think I know where this is going, and he's. I think, I think that that was like, gotta go see a man about a horse. What? <laughs> don't worry about gotta it. go see a man about a wallaby is that it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i about taking a leak anyway go ahead oh. sorry um i don't know i feel like there's almost that, that there's more to it than just like than like maybe the horse isn't there like obviously the horse is there but i think that he's like i'm i'm not i'm not it's not me is it it's it can't be me it oh, can't be me good god if he had gotten there and the horse wasn't there, it would be more interesting, but good God. What if he had gotten there and it was just like a big old middle finger? <laughs> just like, just like a slip of paper and he's like, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was, uh, it, that, that, um, that's my last rant. All right. Are we, are we done, do you think? Yes. All right. Final judgment. So, what'd you think, Will? The first, until Harrison Ford is introduced, I'd say this movie's a 10 out of 10. And then once Harrison Ford is introduced, I'd say that it's about like a seven out of ten. Hmm. So what does it average out to? Still a ten out of ten. Huh. Okay. <laughs> huh. Like, That's an interesting the... averaging job. I know. So basically, like, you're saying like when he got there, it didn't really add much, and it just yeah, didn't take away much. I don't know. It just and it kind of just, just stayed the same. And it, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I thought there were definitely like. I feel like there were opportunities that they just kind of missed and like they made him kind of a little bit too, I can't do anything, I need help, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, like, at least you could do is be a capable person, you know, but he's incapable of escaping from handcuffs in a sinking car. Uh, he should, he should be smarter than this, you know, no, I mean. Okay, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he was right. only in the movie for, you know, a small period of time. Yeah. And in that period of time, yeah, he didn't do a, a whole ton. But anyway, um, um, and I would say that the cinematography is consistently amazing. Um, they're always good props. And I think that like, there are just so many good concepts and stuff. And I don't know, I would say that this movie is just too good to just not pass, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I there's just so much that I like about this movie. There's a lot to like about this movie. I mean, we open up with a scene of, of them, of him flying over all those greenhouses and and building all that wonderful tension that builds up and the amazing cinematography and the quietness of that tension building and the pot sitting there simmering on the stove, just like the tension building, right? And that, that really cool scene. And we go all the way to the end of this movie, basically, with that incredible scene of the car being beaten by the surf right and all of the water scene and the and the drowning of of love and everything you know it's just kind of insane like if you think about bookending a movie with those two scenes and all the stuff that kind of happens in the middle of it um it, it's really kind of amazing and and the number of nits that i have is pretty small so um 
you know, I would give it probably an eight and a half. So eight and a half, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I I have to say that, you know, it's a it's a beautiful movie, but it, you know, wasn't exactly like super riveting, you know? I mean it to me. What? What do you mean it wasn't super riveting? Explain. Like that it wasn't it's, super it's, it's, interesting. Be- it's, be- it's no, it's it's beautiful and it moves along in a really in a really beautiful way and I really enjoyed it. Um uh and I think that people should go and see it and I would enjoy seeing it again, but I am not I am not electrified by the movie. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna become an evangelist for the movie. I'm not you know, it's 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 a it's a really great piece of film and I I really enjoyed it. So, okay. Um so there we go. Thank you for listening to this episode of Three Dozen Moldy Onions. I hope you enjoyed it. It's been a long time since we record since we've recorded this, and we're really happy to finally get it done. This original cut was probably about what, like, t- two hours long. <laughs> so we cut a lot of this out. We tried to make it short, and we also tried to keep in um, what we felt was really important, which was a lot of it because there's a lot to talk about in this movie. Um, and we're, f- we're glad that we finally got this one. You can find me at my Instagram, Will R. Hammy, W-I-L-L-R-H-A-M-I. Uh, my friend Liam did the cover art for this podcast. My guest on this show was my dad. Thanks, dad. <laughs> um, yeah, and we edited it together. Yeah, I mean, I guess that that's it. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll see you later. Thank you. Bye.